Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. You guys having fun today? Are you sure that's legal in the house of God? Are we allowed to have joy in his presence? I don't know. My Bible says in his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. joy. So I think it's okay to have fun in church and celebrate. Um, I don't know if Nicole referenced this in the second service, but first service, she was talking about Eddie James sings this song, and it's live. It's a live recording. I love Eddie James, uh, African-American, exuberant worship leader. And he goes through this song, and he's like, he's like, I don't know if some of you are comfortable with this happening in church. People are on the stage dancing. And he says, but if you only knew their story, and he starts in the song live, he's like, some of these people in here were cutters, some were in jail, some were, had a lifestyle, some were raped. And he's like, if you only knew their story, they've got a reason to praise. And I don't know about you, but I've got a reason to praise. I've got a reason to give him praise with an exuberant, sacrificial, uh, living sacrifice. And that's all he asked for. We're, we're here on this earth to bring him pleasure. Amen. We're here on this earth to lead others to an encounter with him and be his craftsmanship, be his handiwork. Isn't he a creative artist? You know, we were going through the week and asking the kids what worship is, and, and it just was amazing to hear their stories. We'll get a little bit more into that. Um, but did you hear today's the last day to buy Dragons tickets for our family Dragons night? Did you hear that? We have a private area in the line. We got 50 tickets. They need to be bought. So, so just buy those. Enjoy the area of an upper roomy night. How many have fun at the pool party last night? Awesome. How many felt like a little kid again? Yeah, I did. One of us. One, two of us. All right, Brittany did. It was awesome going down the slides. Um, but anyway, I just I want to uh, talk about something really near and dear to my heart. Um, just, just a super serious moment here. Church on the Lawn coming up. Uh, we have budgeted for a barbecue food truck. And um, so I just want to let you know that. So really near and dear to my heart, meat. All right, so there's a barbecue food truck that's going to be here feeding three, at least 300 people. So bring some friends, bring some family. Uh, this is a super fruitful day for us. It's a day that we're one church. We're one church with two services, but that's the day we are one. We get to know each other. We may not see at the 9 a.m. service, and it's just a lot of fun. So bring some friends, family. Uh, I know there's several families here. That was their first service they ever attended, and now they're upper roomies and part of our family and home here, and so it's fun. And uh, we just have a blast. We get tents out. We just do the whole thing. And there has not been a year go by that we've done this that we have not had to deal with the police having complaints that the music's too loud. <laughs> so uh, we do the proper things, pulling out um, permits and everything we need. Um, there's no noise ordinance in Tip City, so we try to keep it very, very quiet till 10 o'clock. And then we're like, time to wake up. Up room seven church today. <laughs> so we don't want to be rude about it, but we do have a reason to celebrate. Hey, uh, this week was awesome, returned from, uh, I, I, I was dealing with some PTVW, it's a very serious illness, post-traumatic vacation withdrawal, so I don't know if anybody else has ever dealt with that, uh, but did a, two weeks in St. Lucia, my family and I and the Hosses and our in-laws did a week of ministry, Josh spoke an incredible message last week, how many are blessed by the, the speakers that we've had the last few weeks? Incredible. Um, Pastor Steve, what a fiery, purpose-driven, destiny-propelling message of compelling stories from the, the tornadoes and the Living City Project and how to engage. And then Tiana following that up with more destiny, more purpose, 
you know, more, more just call to go. And then Josh last week, go, but be healthy in your going. How to process tragedy and different things with the Lord. And uh, so it's been fun. Um, but yeah, we, we did a week of ministry in St. Lucia, and then my family stayed and did a week of vacation. Uh, it was just incredible. And so I'm almost a professional vacation Bible schooler now. Uh, we did vacation Bible school in St. Lucia for a week, and then now this week here. And uh, I was drafted this week. I was like, early in the week, I think Monday, I said, Nicole, do, do I have responsibilities this year in VBS? And me, um, not having the biggest passion for kids' ministry, now let me reword that, not having the biggest passion to personally serve in kids' ministry, all right, last year I was called, I was asked to do the activation for the kids, so I'm in there with this group of kids and like six-year-olds, and I was like, listen, the heaven, kingdom of heaven, heaven is not just a destination, it's a lifestyle, and I'm getting super excited, and these six-year-old kids are looking at me like, so not the greatest language for children uh, from what I'm used to the last several years. Uh, but anyways, I just serve where I'm needed, and I love pouring into the next generation. Like Nicole said, uh, what happens when we pass away? Who's going to take those mics? Who's going to take these responsibilities? Who's going to take these leadership roles? Who's going to lead our nation? Who's going to lead our churches? Who's going to lead our economy and businesses and be the nurses and the teachers? These little kids that we get to pour into and have influence and culture for Christ. Uh, so anyway, I was serving this week, and uh, I was like, please, please say just I can stay home and mow the grass and work on projects. And she's like, oh, no, baby, I need servants. We're low on servants this year. You're helping. I was like, okay. So anyway, I got to help. I, was, I had the ability, and I was pleased and honored. And uh, so this week, I, was, I had a message plan. I was so excited. Three weeks not preaching to a pastor. Like, I was in the bullpen waiting I was like, come on, bring it, call me in, coach. So, so at any rate, I had this beautiful messages planned out. I was like, okay, I've got six ready to roll, I'm good. And then she's like, honey, you can't preach any of those. It's vacation Bible school celebration. You got to teach what we learned this week. I was like, oh, it's not what I had planned. So on Thursday, I started this journey with the Lord. All right, Lord, what do you want to speak to the folks today? And uh, so I'm just going to recap Vacation Bible School. And, and finally, last night, late into the night, the Lord gave me a message. I was like, whoo! <laughs> I wasn't just going to steal everything Chelsea spoke on throughout the week, which I did. I had all of her notes. I was like, all right, I'm just going to preach on what she preached on, spoke on all week. So anyway, they learned three major things. I'm going to recap those just to catch you up to speed. And then I'm going to um, basically speak on how my life was transformed by two vacation Bible schools in the last three weeks. And the first one is that I am loved. That was the first night of VBS. I am loved, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. So everlasting life. So this, this life in Christ, and that is the plan of salvation. There's no other way to the Father except through Christ. We went for that the first night, and, uh, and Chelsea did this beautiful um, teaching on sin and freedom from sin and what it is with a life in Christ and, and all these things and how Christ went to the cross for our redemption. He who knew no sin took on our sin. And she talked about sin, and, and she used this, this Greek word, and, uh, and it's hamatia, okay? And I want to say it in a different way, but it's hamatia, and it's basically missing the mark. And many times in the New Testament, they use that word regarding sin, and it simply means missing the mark. And I've always defined sin, even as a youth pastor, doing or not doing the things that displease God. 
Sometimes we think of, well, sin is just what you do that, that, that is bad. It's stealing. It's lying. It's these things that, that you do. It's also not doing the things that God's called you to do that actually pleases him. So it's not just doing, but it's not doing. Jamie Van Gelder, a good friend of mine, a pastor from Minneapolis, came and spoke about a year or two ago. And I remember the message he spoke, and he spoke on sin. Great thing for a guest minister to come preach on, right? I'm going to come to our church and preach on sin. But he, he taught on baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit and all these other things. And I remember him saying that sin is basically a compass out of alignment, using the same context of the Greek word. So true north was God before the fall of Adam and Eve. All of a sudden, once sin entered, the compass changed. And before, we needed Christ to come back into the earth to get that back into alignment. And when I give myself and ask Christ in my heart, ask for forgiveness of my sins, all of a sudden, my compass, I get back on the mark. I get back on true north. And my compass is now in Christ. So before Christ, I'm a, I'm a, man, I'm a man, a natural man who's a sinner. But after Christ, now I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I have a new life. I have freedom. I'm no longer a captive. I'm no longer oppressed, but I'm free. Amen? So that was night one. Night two was I am his, talking about identity. And we do a really great job. Nicole, in their transition, we do a really great job here of identity, knowing who you are and whose you are. Once you know that, once you get the alignment, now you can go after the assignment. Jesus took 30 years as being a son for three years of ministry, three years of identity, three years of being a son, three years of learning, of, of being close to the Father, doing and seeing and hearing what he's hearing and doing as the Father's doing, speaking as the Father's speaking. Now we get to walk in as children of God with God as our daddy. I am his. I am his. I am, I am his. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I'm a royal priesthood. I am worthy. I am holy. These are the things that your children were taught this week on night two. The identity of the family of God is God is our father. God is our friend. Now, who's that make me? So it was called Totally Awesome because we were learning about how totally awesome God is. How many know that that is the best word to describe God? Actually, it should be the only time we actually use it is in reference to God. I know we as a culture have adopted it, and everything's awesome. Everything is awesome. But the reality is God is awesome. I'm all of him. So he is totally awesome, and when he's in us, we are totally awesome in him. Because he that lives in me is greater than he that lives in the world. So now with him in me, I'm awesome. All right? So I am his. And then the last night was I am powerful. All right, and I Am Powerful came from, and it was funny, I asked Nicole last night, I was like, when you were doing the three nights and laying out this curriculum, did you realize you were doing the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? Did you realize, like, Jesus came, that I am loved, he loved me so much, he came to the cross, died for me, and then I am his, he's the Father, I'm a child of God, I am a son or a daughter of God, and then, then I am powerful, so she's like, well, I didn't really know that. Oftentimes, when we talk in things of three, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Right? So at any rate, it's I am powerful, and, and I just, I have this belief that's in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is there as a gift for us, he's there as a person for us, he's there as a companion for us, he's there to abide in us and with us and through us and around us, his name is Jesus, and he, when he left, he says, I won't leave you as orphans, I won't leave you or I'll never forsake you, when I leave, I'm not going to abandon you, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to send a comforter and a guide and it's the Holy Spirit that's going to be poured out. So on the day of Pentecost, it came and, and Steve Justice preached on this on the day of Pentecost a few weeks back. 
And it came, and it came in like a mighty rushing wind, and there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There was an outpouring of Holy Spirit. All these miraculous things began to happen. They thought it was so wild, more wild than what we just saw in here a little while ago. It was so wild, they thought they were all drunk. They're saying, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. This is the new wine. It's the Holy Spirit. And it came in like a literally, like a, like a tornado, a mighty rushing wind. Flames were resting on their heads. And they begin to speak in these other languages and be, everybody still understood everything. Now, this was a mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. This was, this was the accomplishment of Jesus saying, I'm not going to leave you or abandon you or leave you as orphans. I'm leaving something, and it's even greater than I. Now, the Bible promises, it talks about the baptism of water and the baptism of spirit, and then it says, and also baptism of fire. And I believe that was the first time of the baptism of fire. And so what we taught the kids this week was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in us, it's no longer just us and our might. And if you saw in the video, I, I, one of the, my tasks was like a WWF wrestling match. I was uh, staged to lose a battle to a girl. First time I got to win, all right? She's like, right, Chris? First time Emily, she, I was like, yeah, she's actually really strong. I'm not going to lie. Like, I actually had to work for it. I was like, listen, I'm supposed to win here. And she's like, giving it. I'm like, I'm like I, I actually am supposed to win, and I had to work for it. I haven't told her that yet. I had to work for it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, dressed up as Jesus, Chris, her husband, came in. And then he, he with her help, with, with his help, with Jesus' help, were powerful. So then they took me down. Now, that's the empowerment of Holy Spirit. But here's the other thing. When the Holy Spirit fills me, there's an evidence of that. And there's manifestations. There's gifting. Some of those are prophecies. Some of those are words of knowledge, healing. There's these, there's these gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Biggest one is love. How do they know that you're my disciples? By the love you show, what? One towards the other. These are the empowerments of Holy Spirit. If you remember several months back, I preached this message about the sailboat. Anybody remember about the sailboat? And I talked about the wind of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach breath of God that's mentioned in the Old Testament, breathing life into Adam, was the same word used when Holy Spirit blew through the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It's the Holy Spirit blowing, filling us up, giving us purpose. I talked about the sailboat. The sailboat is no, has no purpose, cannot go anywhere without wind. Amen? I love sailing. And I talked about that first message. They asked me, do you have experience sailing? I had never been on a sailboat, ever. And I was like, of course I have experience boating. I used to own a boat. I have experience boating, lots of experience boating. They never asked, but sailing? No, none. I wouldn't have lied. So they let me have the sailboat. And I, I don't know why, but they just trusted me. All right? So Nicole and I went out, no problem. Since then, I had sailed several times. They asked me the same question at this resort on our vacation week. Day one, I pull up to the resort. I wreck my rental van into their shuttle van. It's because the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the car, and they drive on the wrong side of the street. So anyway, I get through that mess day one. Day two, I take the sailboat out. And, uh, and I'm out there, and I'm just having a great time. I got the cleat locked. I'm just cruising. I'm, like, kind of laying back, like... I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. Peaceful. I'm by myself. I just, the waves, me, the sailboat. It's just something about it. I love being on the water. And I get out there. And all of a sudden, in St. Lucia, it's very mountainous. And I come across this one mountain, and there's this open cove. And I wanted to go see the Sandals Resort. I was like, the one that we can't afford to be at. <laughs> I want to go see that one. So I'm cruising out there. All of a sudden, this 30-mile-an-hour streamlined wind hit. I didn't have time to unlock my cleat. And I'm like, ha! Ah! 
the sail goes all the way up, over, and upside down. It throws me, launches me off the pontoon, and I'm swimming back to the boat. I'm trying to get it upright. I can't do it. And then I see the speedboat, come, speedboat coming after me. And I'm like, oh, man, these are very expensive. I just had a very expensive day yesterday. This is going to be a very expensive vacation. I've looked into those Hobie sailboats. They're very expensive in the U.S., let alone in St. Lucia. So anyway, the point of the story is this. They ended up not billing me for anything. It's amazing what $60 cash and a six-pack of their local beer for, will do for the guys <laughs> that help you get rescued from a sailboat. I'm not condoning alcohol right now. I'm just saying I spoke their language, and later that night, thank you. The guys love you so much. Will you come back tomorrow and sail? Absolutely. No $7,000 bill thanks to 60 bucks and another 14 for their local beer. So, so anyway, it's this amazing thing about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, talking about the wind. The Spirit's what gives us purpose. And sometimes, even when you least expect it, when I was an atheist, the Lord baptized me in the Spirit and commissioned me for assignment, blindsided me, and put me on a new path. And turned me upside down and made me just start to swim and just surrender to him and figure this thing out. That's what happened in my life. So part two of Sailboat. I've got another sermon coming, I promise. But that was the third night. I am powerful. All right, today what I really want what to really speak to you on isn't any of that. It's the impact these kids have had on me the last couple weeks. Listen, I, I'll just be honest with you. I love children in a godly kingdom family way. But in a natural way, I really only love my children, okay? I'm just going to be super real with you. Like, I will clean poopy diapers, but not from your kids, only from my kids, okay? I will, like, hand them over. I will love on them. Oh, look, they're so cute. <laughs> like, just me, okay? I don't know if anybody else is like that. Like, like my kids are so cute, but yours? Some of them ugly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always told people, like, when your babies are, like, you know, most babies are super ugly, all right? I will never say they're super ugly, so if I tell you your baby's cute, then I really think they're cute. But if I'm not saying anything, I think they're ugly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Holy Spirit, come back, please. Dove, rest. All right. Now, I do love children. I'm just not the most appropriate person to minister to them in person, but they have changed my life the last couple weeks. And, and I've helped with children's ministries throughout the years. Nicole and I were the youth pastors. Before that, we just served where it was needed, and I still do. And I'm, I get privilege in doing that. I want to pour into the next generation. If we don't, who will? I'd rather them hear the truth from us in Christ than what they're hearing on a school bus or the television or out in the world. So if it's me and I volunteer to teach drums that I haven't played in years, I'll do it. If it's to lose at an arm wrestling match, I'll do it. If it's to do dance with Grace and Olivia and St. Lucia and teach boys how to dance tenderly and intimately with Jesus, I did that. I'll do it. But I want to show you some pictures. These are some things that happened in St. Lucia, and, and this goes into the message today. It's a very short one, so don't be scared. That was just the intro, but it's a short message to come. But here's the first picture. These are just them with the older group. Chloe's in the back there. Grace is in the middle. They're just laying hands on each other, blessing each other, praying for each other. They're being activated. This is what happened this week in Upper Room as well. You saw it on the video. The next picture is them doing the same thing we did here is basically worship through creative arts. Worship through dance, worship through art, worship through musical instruments, worship through song. How many know I, I, there was this girl 
here, and uh, I just asked each of them as we were teaching them different instruments and different things throughout the week here, I said, what is worship? I don't know who it was, I forget, but it was like this seven, eight-year-old girl. She said, worship is the outward expression of the sincerity of the heart on the inside. I was like, whoa. These kids, they understand worship. Why? Because somebody's modeling it for them and teaching them what worship is. Worship is simply an expression, an outward expression of what's happened on the inward heart. And that's what she was saying. Listen, so I don't care how you worship. Some people worship with a journal. Some people worship with a dance or a shout or a jump or a loud song. Whatever it is, like worship is just an expression of the heart, of our awe of God, our revelation, our depth of the intimacy we have with him. So we were teaching worship. The next picture is, uh, I believe, Chloe, maybe? Nope. Josh taking them through soaking. I think the next one's Chloe. This is Chloe doing art, and uh, she's, she's my oldest daughter, and she does art up here. And Wow, what a... Whoa! Lisa! There's a sailboat! You weren't here first service, were you? That's incredible. Whoa! That's the first time I saw that. Isn't it amazing how the Lord speaks when we just are creative and we say yes to the expression of our love for him? It's powerful. It's upright. (laughs) Much better condition than I was in that day. Can I go on a rabbit trail for a quick second? So my phone was in my pocket, iPhone 8. It's supposed to be waterproof for 30 minutes up to 1.5 meters. I researched this afterwards. It wasn't. So... I put it in rice. What's funny is I go to the restaurant. I was like, could I have a bag of rice, please? They're like, phone get wet. I was like, yes, it did. So I put it in rice for about 24 hours. It worked. So three days, two days later, I go out on the sailboat. I'm like, I'm going to be smart this time. I love being out there taking pictures, selfies with the sail in the background. All right. So I put my wallet, my phone in a Ziploc bag, put it in my pocket. All of a sudden, I'm like, I want to take a picture. I can't find my phone anywhere. It's not in my pocket. I was like, oh, man. I lost my phone in the ocean. So I look back. It's on the very back, teetering on the pontoon. I was like, and I pick it up, and now it's broken. (laughs) So the Lord wants to upgrade my phone. (laughs) So this is Chloe doing art. And a couple months ago, a few months ago, I took her on a 12-year missions trip. We went to Costa Rica. This is amazing. The Lord just breathing into destinies and breathing into purpose. Chloe's dream is to be an art teacher. And... Twice in the same year, twice within the last four months, she does art during worship for the first time ever in two churches in Costa Rica and St. Lucia. This is the first time they ever had art during their worship service. So opening up things, and we brought them enough supplies to have an entire art ministry for at least a year in both churches, both nations. So it's really fun. Okay, going on. This is, again, activating the smaller children. Aren't they beautiful? Gosh, these little kids, they just capture my heart. They're so doggone cute. All right. I, I really mean that. Okay. <laughs> These are uh, two of my daughters and then Grace Haas. They were being activated before, each, uh, before I'd speak at each service. I'd call the kids up, see if they had prophetic words. They were doing drawings, acrostic poems for names that the Lord was speaking to them, calling out people who were there by name, who they had no idea who was going to be there, with a prophetic word for them. So powerful. Uh, go on. The next one's Evelyn. 
Evelyn had a couple names the first day that uh, no one uh, received. That person wasn't there or whatever. She gets up the, the, the Wednesday night, that was Sunday, gets up a few nights later. She's like, I want to call these names again that weren't here. And maybe you're here and you were just scared to get up. I'm here to tell you that God will give you courage and you need to receive the word that he has for you tonight. I was like, preach. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, going on. And uh, this final one, this is the final picture. This is my daughter, Olivia. Can you tell I'm a proud dad? That's right, I am. So this is Olivia, and this is one of the pictures that I got. And, and this was a little girl. She was so ornery. She was such a handful. We're like, we're like tackling her, open field tackling her to keep her off the stage the whole week and just running everywhere. She was so hard. But it came time, uh, she would take her shoes and socks off every day. And we're like, time to go to school. You got to get them back on. And this one day, I caught this picture. Olivia took her, sat her down, got her book bag, took her socks out, took her shoes out, and we're putting her socks and shoes on her feet. For me, it was just, um, you know, as a dad, such a, a, a position of humility. It was as if she was washing her feet. You know, and these kids were from, some of them from the streets and stuff. And just to see that. That child-servant attitude, not caring about what her feet look like, smell like, whatever, just serving her, like just touching her. It was amazing. So we get to the end of the week or somewhere in the week, and we asked the leadership, we said what, we wanted some feedback. We said, what has been the highlight for you for us being here this week? And this guy named Lester stood up, and he was speaking. He's one of their elders and was speaking basically on behalf of the leadership team. And he said, one of the highlights for the week for all of us is that to see your children up in front of the church being activated and being used by God. He says that humbled us and also convicted us that we too need to take risk and we too need to operate in a realm of faith, of courage, and do these things that your children were doing. That for me touched me. So I started asking the Lord and I, I just remember this story and, and last night as I'm just trying to compile these thoughts and everything together and put it, pieces together to try to make somewhat of an outline. Josh teases me. Last week, if you heard him say, I'm not like Pastor Aaron, get my grocery list, throw a couple points on the back of a post-it note, and then preach for 45 minutes on it. <laughs> the Lord has given me that gift at times. But at any rate, um, to, to, to hear this and to hear how they were activated and to, to compile this, like it's like I've learned so much from children over the last few weeks. So let's go to the Word. Let's make this a legal meeting. Mark 10, 13 through 16, and we're going to call the kids here to activate and to let them bless us and pray for us and go after some things that they've been really learning and journeying with Jesus this week. But Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. These honorary disciples, right? <laughs> They're always getting corrected. You know, they were, if you didn't know this, they were teenage boys that were basically misfits of the culture and just really, really rambunctious. And at times, very energetic. At times, arguing who was better, who was greatest. Who, like, here's, and then Jesus is, like, I, I feel this. Jesus doesn't always need an army. We, we want to track numbers in our churches and numbers in our ministries. We, we don't take attendance here on Sundays. And I'm not saying we're against it. We just don't do it because Jesus doesn't always need an army. He picked 12 to turn the world upside down once he left. He picked 12 to launch the churches and to go and to bring the gospel forward. Like, I'm not against numbers. Somebody obviously counted the 120 in the upper room or the 5,000 that they fed. But at the same time, he doesn't always need the masses. He only needs one for a worship service and two for a church service. 
says, where two or more are gathered, I'll be in your midst. Like, we want to think, well, we have to have this megachurch or this thing. Listen, I will take five people who know who they are and five people who know their assignment, five people who are secure in their identity in Christ and go change the world and 5,000 who don't know anything or who don't know Christ intimately or who, who are just going for a show. Like, it's not to me about the numbers. So here's the disciples. And it says this, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Say, such as these. Verse 15, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. This is a powerful story. And if you've ever really just like prayed into this story or leaned into it or like, Lord, what were you trying to teach us in this story? Now, Jesus is teaching. He's, he's got this message to deliver, right? And these parents and these children are, are gathering and these children are trying to get to him to be blessed. Now, he's Messiah. He's, he's teaching. So the disciples, not out of dislike for the children, but out of respect for Jesus, were trying to remove the distractions, maybe interferences, maybe babies crying or, or whatever that we have at times. And he's trying to remove that so that Jesus can continue teaching. Now, Here's what I find very interesting is that Jesus turned it upside down and used it as a teachable moment. Now, Jesus wasn't, now, of the time, the Jewish culture at that time, children weren't looked at as cute little human beings like we look at them. Like first service, Nicole's like, what happens when you die? Without even a pause, this little kid in the balcony says, we go to heaven. <laughs> Obviously, I've been to VBS this week. So, but that's what happened. Like, he just yells it out, and we thought that was the cutest thing, first service. Now, now, at that time, in the Jewish time, they were more of a distraction. They just weren't, you know, they didn't look at them as not having a junior version of Holy Spirit or whatever. Like, it was just like, let's remove the distractions, let's give them back to their moms and dads, and, and so Jesus can continue teaching. But here's what Jesus says. He's like, no, let them come to me. Anybody that's like a child will enter in the kingdom of heaven, and if you're not, you're not going to. Now, here's what I find interesting, that, that these children had nothing to offer Jesus, these children didn't have value. They weren't going to bring something additional to the teaching. They weren't going to add value to him. But what did he see? He saw their value and used it as a chance to bless and love even the least likely. I don't know about you, but at times I felt like the least likely. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I was even unlovable by God. Let me just tell you that we serve a God that will take the least likelies and make them into the most extravagant things. We serve a God that will take zeros and make them into heroes and nobodies into somebodies. And it doesn't matter where you've been or how long you've been there. Jesus will turn that in an instant because you become a new creation with him. Like sometimes we, we, we say, well, we don't belong at the table. We're like David tending to the sheep and, you know, I'm, I'm okay and I'm saved, but I, but I just don't know what I have to offer at a ministry or a church or a business or an industry or whatever. Let me just tell you, Jesus sees it totally different. He's like, you belong. He, matter of fact, he comes to the house, and he's like, no, there's one more. It's the youngest of the family. His name's David. Where is he? He's supposed to be the next king. Oh, he's just tending the sheep. The least responsibility in the family was taking care of the sheep. It was the lowliest of all jobs in the household. And that's where David was. And then they come to Jesse's house like, nope, that's, that's who we want. Why? Because he knows what honor is. He knows what servitude is. He knows what worship is. He's a man after my own heart. Listen, God's not looking for more laborers or experts or theologians. He's looking for laid-down lovers that have a story that are willing to lay their life down to take his on. 
That's the story of these children coming to him, taking the least likelies, taking the nobodies, taking the people that people rejected or looked down upon. Man, I know that there's people in this room that have felt that way, but God doesn't see you that way. He sees your destiny, not just your history. You're so valuable to him. We often say, like, your windshield is way bigger than your rearview mirror because it matters more where you're going than where you came from. You just can't forget that all the time. Let me move on here. Matthew 18, 1 through 4 says this, words it like this, similar story. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? (laughs) These guys, I love them. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. Now here's, now Jesus is using a child as an illustration. The disciple says, well, who's greatest? The Pharisees would always ask him these kinds of questions and these things. And here's what's happening. He says, well, who's greatest? And Jesus takes a child from the crowd, places him in the center and says this. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a child, you will never enter in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I started processing this. You know, we, we often reference like childlike faith. They have childlike faith. That's not specifically a scripture talking about childlike faith. But to become like a child includes childlike faith, childlike joy, childlike awe. So I came up with six things that I value about children that I want to be like in my daily walk with Christ. Six things that when he's saying be like a child, be as such to these things. As a child, the one is all of God. Like when Jesus was, was, was bringing these kids in to bless them and they were trying to get them and the disciples were trying to push them away, they have Jesus at this hero status. Jesus is who's raising the dead and, and healing blind eyes and, and healing deaf ears and, and making the oppressed go free, casting demons out of people. Here's Jesus who is teaching in synagogues and, and the Sermon on the Mount. Here's Jesus. Here's the Messiah. And these kids are wanting to get them. Why? Because they have an awe of God. They have an awe of Jesus, and he's on this hero status. It's, it's, it's no other. It's not a, a Santa Claus or an Easter bunny. Like, it's Jesus. This is Messiah. Like, that awe of God, of who he is, I always want to keep that in my heart, that, that there is none like him. There's none that can be worshipped like him. There's no other God that's alive like him. There's none like Jesus. They have children inherently have this awe of God. They have this awe of Jesus. The second thing is is humble and eager to learn. They're teachable. My kids, uh, Chloe, she's she's our oldest. She's going to seventh grade, and her favorite subject at school is, is Bible history. She's like this sponge. Last year, she's coming home and teaching me things. I'm like, whoa, I never knew that. That's amazing. The children are these sponges that you squeeze them, and then they just saturate everything in, and they're so eager to learn, and and they look forward to going to school. How many in here as adults now look forward to going to school and studying? (laughs) Not many of us. There's some teachers of you, like James. He's like, James is like, no, Matt, he's a little bit like that. But most of us are like, no, not another test. Please, not another test. But here's the thing about children. They're teachable. They're humble. They're moldable. They want to learn. They want to go low, and they want to learn, and they respect the person that's teaching them. It's like they're a, it's this amazing gift that I want to be so humble and hungry to always grow, never to reach this place that I've arrived. Here I am. Look at me. I've arrived. I'm awesome. No, I want to be in this place of submission and humility where I always want to discover more of the mysteries of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says that we'll never understand all the mysteries of God. But I say this, I think it's fun trying. 
I want to learn about him. I want to experience him. The third thing is pure. Children have this purity and this, this naiveness that's just so, and just so intriguing to me. They don't, they've not been perverted or they haven't believed all these lies or these things they can't do. They still believe what they can do. It's a can-do mentality still with them. It's this, this purity and innocence and covering and protection. Now, I believe this. I believe that each one of us in here, no matter our history, our past, our junk, our mistakes, the paths we've went down, God is the God of the end suddenly. God is the God but God. Like he, he, is this, he is this God that changes everything and makes it pure again and washes us white as snow. No matter what we were thinking, doing, or, or, or having a part of, like God will renew our youth like an eagle. He will renew our purity. He'll renew our assignments because he's that good and he loves us. But then, once we're on this journey with him, this, this righteousness in God, this right living or this right standing in God, that's what righteousness means, to hit the mark. And to try our very best out of the love for the Father to stay on track, to hit that mark without sin. Now, when we mess up, that's grace. Again, purity. The fourth thing is joyful. Man, children are cheerful, aren't they? It was exciting. The kids would check in um, this week, and they would check in at the table. And then after they knew where they were going after the first night, they would run to that kid's room. And there was like rap going and black lights and strobe lights and all these crazy things. And, and we, they had neon stuff and it was this awesome thing. Well, here, here's the thing. They were so excited. And then when they'd leave, they're like, that was the best night of my life. This was awesome. How many parents in here heard something like that as your kids came home? Yeah, this was the best VBS ever, like our kids. And Olivia, she was so sweet. She's like, mom, I don't want to offend you from the past years, but this was the best VBS ever. Like, I want to come into every church service, every ministry opportunity, every coffee I have with anybody, that excited to see God do something, that excited to grow, that excited to experience more of him. And then when I leave, he, he fulfilled his promise so much that I'm that excited to tell people about it. Helen was here for service, and, and, and she at one time came into church service with a big tumor the size of a softball under her armpit. And this is how good God is. This is how exciting the journey with him is. My sister Leah was here, and the Lord told her, if I pray for Helen, then she's going to be healed. She goes to Helen, hey, the Lord told me if I pray for you, the tumor's going to dissolve. So she just briefly, during worship, this was happening, we had no idea. All of a sudden, we, I, hear, I start hearing this screaming. They come back in, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're shouting, they're jumping. And then Leah comes and tell me, tells me, they just checked it in the bathroom and the tumor had totally dissolved, was gone, was proven by medical evidence. That's how exciting. That's the joy of the Lord is my strength because I know he continues to do things. Listen, everything we read in the Bible gives me excitement because I know that testimony is also a prophecy. I know that when I hear those stories of healing, that that testimony is also a prophecy because he'll do it again. We used to sing that song over and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Listen, everything that we need. He's not a God just for healing and salvation. He's a God of wholeness. Wholeness in our relationships. Wholeness in our marriages. Wholeness in our past. Wholeness in every realm. Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. He was broken so we could be whole. That gets me excited. The fifth thing is, is faith. Man, children have this crazy faith. This week, we were telling them, like, like, God will heal. So they start praying for people. They start praying for each other. They start seeing healings. St. Lucia, this little girl, we, we, we asked her, does anybody have pain? And she's like, yeah, my, my face hurts. 
So we had them pray for each other, and, I, and I, I put my hand on her hand. I was like, okay, just pray this. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. You love me, Jesus. I'm your daughter. You paid a price for this. Heal me. Something like that. Healing come, pain go, healing flow. Something really easy like that. She's like, oh, it's gone. She gets so excited. She runs back to me like a half hour later. She's like, my pinky hurts. Will you pray for me? And I was like, no, I won't pray for you, but will you pray for yourself? I was like, okay, put your hand on it. I say, now pray, ask God. <laughs> Runs away. Listen, they have faith. Whatever you tell them, what they read in the word, they have such faith. It's more than a mustard seed, but the only thing God asks for is a mustard seed faith. Little faith goes a long way. I want to have childlike faith. The last thing is trust. Man, it's so amazing the trust that the Lord has. Like, like these children... They didn't really know him. They probably didn't have a personal relationship with him on earth when he was doing this teaching. But they trusted him. He was so approachable. Now, we teach our kids, and I'm sure they did at that time, stranger, danger. But kids have this gift of discernment when they know who and what to trust. We, we teach our kids, like, they don't have to hug anybody that just comes up to them and hugs them, even if it's at church. Like, we don't know everybody that comes in here. If you don't feel comfortable, don't hug them. So don't be offended if they haven't hugged you. It doesn't mean, like, you're dangerous. It just means they don't know you. So, so anyway, but kids, they have this thing of discernment, and they trust God. They trust that, her promise, that his promises are yes and amen. They trust that they're gonna, he's going to keep them safe. My kids at times, they get scared at night, scared to go to bed, scared of the basement, scared of the dark barn, the very same things I'm scared of, bats, <laughs> other things, creepy basements. Anybody else with me? <laughs> yeah. So, but we teach him this thing. We said the word says, and God promises that he'll keep you safe. So when they say, I'm scared, what do we say? What's the word say? What's God promise? He'll keep me safe, then he'll keep you safe. Okay. Now, there's this last thing, and then uh, I don't know if the band's coming for the kids. I'm, I'm going to, yes, yes, band come. And let me do this closing with you, and then we're going to release the kids just to go at you guys. So here's what I felt when Nicole was doing transition. I feel this verse, and I feel that God is the answer and to bring us back to childlikeness. And these are the six things that I thought of of children. What do you think of when you think of the great qualities of a little child? Now, that's what the Lord allows you to receive as an adult. No more responsibility, no more worry or fear. Gosh, if a sparrow doesn't have to worry about its next meal is coming from, why do we as his beloved have to worry about how he's going to provide for us? This childlikeness to where he's going to work it out. This verse says this, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I just felt like coming in here today, there were some that were weary and burdened and exhausted and tired and just worn out. And it says this, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like the Lord's promising this. And we as adults tend to have these heavy yokes, these heavy burdens, these heavy, these heavy issues going on in our lives. Whether it's relational, financial, job-related, children-related, marital-related, there's all these things that just burden us down and weigh us down. Let me just tell you that God's promise is to make it easy, to make it light, and to give you rest. Now, as children, we get to receive that. As children, we get to say, yeah, that, that's me. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray for you for this purpose, and then we're going to activate the kids. What we did first service is we allowed the kids just to go and impart child likeness to everybody in here. Are you down for that again? 
All right. So, Lord, I just I thank you that you make our yoke and our burdens easy and light. I thank you that you're bringing us back to little boys and little girls with great big dad. And, Lord, you, you own the cattle and all the hills. And, Lord, there's nothing to worry. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to, to fret about. There's nothing to get uh, concerned about with you with you in us, with you through us, with you around us, Lord. You, you work things all out to the good for those of us who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Lord, as we seek you, as we, as we put you first, Lord, we know you'll honor the desires of our heart. Lord, I just pray right now for an impartation of childlikeness, that you take off all heavy burdens, all responsibilities, and allow us to be little boys, little girls. Let us be your children with an enormous, awesome dad. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that as people walk out here today, they're going to be more childlike. They're going to be more full of joy, more full of faith, trust, and the goodness of the qualities that you promised to us as your very own children. That's what we are. And you lavish us with your love.